0: Okay. Good morning. How's M- it going, right, gents? Morning. Good, good, good. Morning. <laughs> it's a uh, a wet November morning. How are you all doing?
1: Good, good. Yeah. Survived
0: Halloween and everything's good to go.
1: I know. Yeah. Dreading the uh, the impending Christmasification of everything coming up.
0: I know. December first, I start on the Malibu and I don't stop. Wow! for one whole
2: month <laughs> party well, will we're at this time of season so we thought we start talking about what yeah.
0: we do at this time of season
1: right yeah, yeah. so what
2: we're we talking about today
1: preserving uh, one of my favorite
2: things to talk about let's preserve and we have a good friend back to visit with us today
0: it's a secret though we're gonna it's reveal
2: it yeah we're gonna reveal it in a second right after this do you ever wonder where your food comes from that's what got us started on this adventure
1: In each episode, we ask experts to weigh in on the food topics that matter to you, from growers, to producers, to chefs. And I challenge John, Darren, and you to learn more
0: about your food and the stories behind it. From our hub on Vancouver Island in the beautiful Comox Valley, join us as we explore our edible valley. And a very good day to you. This is the Edible Valley Podcast, episode 196. Oh, we're, oh, we're there. getting there. I'm, uh, I'm William. I'm the
2: producer. <laughs> I'm Chef Jonathan Fraser.
1: And I'm Darren Howlick, a preserver enthusiast? I don't know. Preservation enthusiast? <laughs> You're see... not sounding very enthusiastic <laughs> about that. Actually. We'll, we'll see how, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see where I'm at at the end of the episode.
0: Did you say Darren Howlick? You no, just
1: pronounce it? your own name wrong. No, I said my name right. Thank All right, you. Though.
0: Well, anyone can go back and listen to that. So, <laughs> <laughs> how's your week been?
1: Good, good. Uh, yeah, John and I have been talking about uh, doing a preserving episode for quite some time, and it just seemed topical because I just uh, wrote an article for the CB Collective magazine about oh, wow. yeah about smoking and pickling and. Um, Seems to be on the top of my mind. So wait, you write for the CV? Collector? What? Me? Yeah. <laughs> on occasion. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But then, it, you know, stars aligned. Uh, the perfect guest came along for just such a topic. Nice. Do you, yeah. when you're writing these articles, do mm. you do you learn while you're writing them, or are you Absolutely. doing kind of research? That's great. Yeah, because I'm talking out of experience for the most part, and then I'm like, you know what? I need to double check this, or I need to double yeah. check that before I go and write that down as. As so I get text messages gone. <laughs> sometimes. <I'm laughs> yeah. Like, what about this? What about this? Can Can I I right, this is yeah? right. Can you do this? Is that
2: right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah.
0: And of course, Halloween. So um, Halloween is almost. I was reading an article today um, saying that Halloween for kids mm. is becoming a more significant holiday than Christmas. What? Yeah. Which is, but I mean, you just look at it. Everyone. People I suppose.
1: Yeah. The candy. I guess then the costuming. I don't know.
0: Yeah, another another sugar. Well, we're going to teach you how sugar. to
1: preserve your candy. Yeah, yep. no, absolutely. No, please don't. <laughs> no. Smoking and pickling candy.
0: So, uh, without further ado, we have. We're not even going to say guest because no. you know he never really left. Never really left our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit weird thing to say about someone I just met, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, do a, let's do a little intro, Mr. John.
2: Well, yeah. we have the, uh, the original host of the Edible Valley podcast, who mysteriously slipped away up north to the <laughs> Haida Gwaii to start a life of building arrows and living the uh, outdoor life, I guess. Uh, we have Blaine Pros with us again today.
3: Hey everyone. Good hey, to be here. Hey. Thanks what <laughs> so for the invite. You still yeah. remember how to talk? <laughs> Barely. Barely. So- I traveled 36 hours to be here for this interview, so <laughs> I hope it goes well. You did. Holy smokes. I love that we live in a place that it it can take 36 hours to travel like a couple hundred miles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I guess it's more than a couple hundred miles, but it's... 24 hours on a BC ferries total or so. ish, 24-ish hours. I can barely stand the hour and a half for the usual trip over to the mainland but yeah you get a stateroom though so you can kind of hide away which is nice Nice. and the boats wait you know this time of the year it's not busy at all so wow it's not crammed full of people yeah that's good
0: so Haida Gwaii are the set of islands to the north of Vancouver Island they're quite a bit aren't they a couple of hundred miles up from Vancouver Island yeah I don't know exactly
3: how far but it's uh it's a way it's a fair distance up there you bet
0: So, one thing I love about um, meeting new people is because they they introduce you to new things. And I said, uh, you know, I've come from the UK. I have my own circle of friends. And you'd be like, what do you do? I do, I'm a barman or I serve tables. I I said to Blaine, what do you do? And he said, I make arrows. Yeah. And it's like, boom! (laughs) A new world. Can you, I mean, this is (laughs) not about this, but I really want to know, what is building arrows about?
3: Well, it's... It's mostly art, essentially. Like I take a, a dowel, which is made out of Sitka spruce, which is from Haida my friend up there, and my neighbor. Uh, he makes the, sh- the dowels, the shafts, and I take them and I paint them and I finish them, make them waterproof put feathers on them and points on them and send them all over the world, really. Yeah. And Mostly s- North America, but...
0: And you said there's a real interest in them in like the Middle East, like a long history of using arrows? Yeah,
3: well, essentially worldwide archery. Is, really? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's part of our history as man. Yeah. You know, it kind of advanced our species from throwing rocks and spears to once we learned that we could store energy in the limbs of a bow and launch a projectile, it gave us huge advantage hunting wise right wow um and in warfare as well so and
1: despite the fact that they are art like you are putting a lot of artistry into them and in your
3: craft yeah you're making fully functional areas. oh yeah totally mm. yeah yeah people say oh they're too pretty to shoot i'm like nonsense that's what they're made for <laughs> Yeah, shoot them suckers i don't and want to sitting
0: on your wall and of course shooting something with it to eat it and there we go there's edible valley food yeah the absolutely connection. well
1: that yeah absolutely
2: well i and think and that brings us right back to what we want to do is when you're out there hunting yeah when, how, what do you do with methods. this how do you take care of it you know a deer an elk whatever you're getting out there yep how do you preserve it like and there's a bunch of methods and i thought what would be more fun than to talk about it and i figured yeah if we're talking about this who who better to talk to than with blaine because i know he's yeah. got a World of knowledge, because I know the two of us have spent a lot of time over the years butchering and canning and doing all sorts of fun things with food.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's a a great jumping off point. I mean, I've been amazed at the amount of types of preservation there is available. It's not just chuck it in a can or stick it in the fridge like I'm kind of used to. So let's quickly go around and see what our favorite preservation methods are. Mr. John, favorite preservation method and the reason
2: why? Well, I'm actually getting... I'm kind of going a little uh, cooking dorky on here because I've just found out... Well, I haven't just found out about it, but I'm really interested in Mm -hmm. freeze-drying.
1: That's right. This is pretty much
2: what's been getting me going on this, and I'm just thinking from a culinary aspect of it and a preserving aspect of it that this is like is a pretty crazy thing. Now it's super expensive. And yeah. so if you want to help promote the edible Valley podcast, <laughs> it would actually help me go towards buying a, a... <laughs>
1: I just like the notion. I like the idea that you can take a product like you're talking about, and it's not just about reconstituting it for later use. I think that there's something there that if you throw in seasonings and what have you, that when you do reconstitute it, you're going to get stronger flavor. You're yeah. going to get more permeated flavor throughout. I like. I want to explore that aspect. I'm, not, I'm waiting for you to get this. I'm not saying this is, like the,
2: <laughs> the end, this is like the best way of preserving, because I yeah. think there's all sorts of great preserving ways. But yeah. that's where I'm going with right now.
1: Okay. Sure. Now, yeah. yeah I, I would have to say, honestly, uh, I'm all over the place, just like everybody else, as far as different times, I'm going for different things. But right now, pickling. I'm, I'm on a pickling okay. kick. Okay. I'm really appreciating the the acidic balance, you know, Great. to a lot of dishes that I make and finding new
3: things to pickle.
0: Amazing. Yeah. All right. And Blaine?
3: Well, honestly, I do all of those, like <laughs> no, they don't freeze dry, but I've have done almost every kind of preservation method, but honestly, my favorite is freezing. Yeah. It's okay. the simplest. Yeah. And yeah. It's quick and when you're dealing like where we're at, we go fishing and we come home with a pile of salmon or we go we get couple of deer you can't spend a lot of time farting around because you just like i need to get this dealt with quickly Mm -hmm. so you know butcher paper for the land critters and vacuum sealing for the sea creatures and in the freezer and the nice thing about that is it can be frozen if you want to pull it out at a later date and then make jerky can the salmon smoke the salmon make biltong whatever you want to do that food is preserved frozen it's going to stay that way until you you either cook it as it is or you pull it out and do something else with it
0: so it essentially freezes time it just it's just a quick way to
3: to yeah. you know cuz I'm cuz we're not up there we're we're harvesting food off the land that is what that's our grocery store is the land yeah not You know, if you live somewhere where you're allowed to shoot, say one deer per season, or you catch one salmon and you take a lot of time with that fish and do all the things with it as it's fresh, that's great. But when you have a mountain of it all at one time, you know, right? You have a family of three people. You're allowed two springs each. Each spring's 20 pounds. Ends up being a lot of meat. Mm -hmm. You're not going to spend days processing that. Generally, it's just get it in the freezer and then we can we can make a plan after. Right. okay so right. sticking with freezing well let's
2: do some of the pros and cons of freezing like sure. i know blaine's got the pro over yeah. there that it's yeah, yeah. easy instant mm-hmm. um i want to what are what are other pros of it that you guys have
3: well of? it's easy it's dead, <laughs> it, yeah mostly it's easy and foolproof as long right. as you're doing foolproof a proof is good a good job of wrapping mm-hmm. yeah. then your food is is not gonna freezer burn right, right. It, it will eventually because it just dries out, but, you know, you got a good, especially with red meat, like you're at least a year, probably a year and a half, and and even then, if you get a little freezer burn, you just trim it off, Yeah, it's fine. No, but I think that that that's worth saying, too, is that
1: um, the fact that it's relatively foolproof, because most of these other techniques, not all, but most of them, uh, all do have, you know, a bit of skill is involved, and there's, when it comes to freezing, Yeah, I mean it's it's not
2: it's not. I want to. I'll bring up some points that I like. I like the fact that yeah, it's quick and easy. But yeah, the cons are is it doesn't last forever. It doesn't kill all the bacteria. It doesn't free. It just slows down the the breakdown of your food. So as you're saying, like wrapping it well, like um, a vacuum sealer Mm -hmm. is an amazing tool Mm -hmm. when it comes to freezing. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit more extra work and stuff like that, but you can double the life. I think. Also, I guess
1: to. I don't know, to backtrack what I did say, I think there is a bit of need for knowledge because I think that a con, but also a pro sometimes, um, freezing meats can alter texture and you can use that to or against your favor. Oh,
2: there's a huge difference between fresh halibut and frozen halibut. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and absolutely. And I'm just, sometimes you, you can use that to your advantage, but sometimes, yeah, if you don't, if you aren't aware and you just go throwing things in the freezer thinking you're just getting a little extra time, you should be aware what's the
0: difference between freeze drying and freezing as the layman it might be no different yeah John, oh, so John we're going
2: into uh, a whole thing well with freeze drying is you're freezing it but you're sucking the moisture out of it <laughs> so you're as <laughs> will loses his pen so i i left my pen
0: in my hair and I couldn't. <laughs>
2: um so yeah so basically what you're doing is you're freezing it down to a very low temperature and then you're sucking the moisture out of it and so the the moisture goes straight into it goes from a solid to a gas form Mm -hmm. with so it keeps the texture keeps the brilliance of it whereas freezing is a slower process of of getting to it um so it's kind of like it it, you can lose the perfection in the right you lose the texture of it as well because it like if you're thinking about berries or vegetables, you know they kind of break down a little bit when they freeze. Like if yeah. you think about fresh peas, like when you throw them in the freezer, they, well, yeah, because because the
1: water in it is crystallizing and you're and it's damaging the cell structure. Yeah, and that can be helpful or detrimental. And this brings me doing.
2: to a great technique is uh, IQFing, which oh. is something that probably most people don't think about. But like with you got frozen berries and stuff mm. like that, instead of throwing all your berries into a bag mm-hmm. and then throwing them in the freezer and then you pull it out you've got a brick of berries right right and you, they've all mushed in that if you throw them on a sheet pan yeah and then throw them in there individually they'll freeze as individual pieces and you can That's do right. this with anything with like if you get a bunch of extra meat of some sort you can cut it mm-hmm. down and put it into smaller pieces yeah you freeze it on a tray and then transfer it into a bag and that I, gives you a little bit of extra life
1: yeah i do that with blueberries and blackberries you, you freeze them on a tray uh, the non-clustered mm-hmm. each getting space. And then once they're all fully frozen, then throw them in a bag. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Wow. I okay. have one more drawback to freezing. Sure. Power. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Constant <laughs> power drain. <laughs> and I could say that, yeah, it's a constant power drain. It's always on your hydro bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if someone kicks that power, you know, your time f- is running out. Nothing is worse than a deep freeze. That's the plug has been out for a week.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh,
3: oh, yeah. That's that. We're I'm not going to tell you the story. Right
1: but I have told the story many times when Brian and I came back from a, a festival making sushi and we forgot about chicken thighs in the freezer that had no longer had power for two weeks. Barf. Yeah. <laughs> Barf. Anywho, uh, yeah, let's get on to another topic which, or another sub- subject. Well, I want to talk now. And sure. we've, got, we've got a lot to get through. Yeah, so Yeah, we yeah. have to be let's a bit it. snappy. But um, pickling, pickling. Your favorite, Darren. Yeah, I like pickling. I think that pickling is uh, one of the greatest ways for preservation to have a r- sort of a gamut of flavors that you can introduce. I think that all the other f- preservation forms, m- most of them have. Um, you know, smoking. You've got. You're definitely bringing in a flavor of smoke, or or what have you. But with pickling, you literally the world is your oyster. You know, you've got. You can pickle anything uh, within reason, and but you can impart any flavor, and that's what I like. I like experimenting with what you can do with flavor to the pickling. Yes. Wow. So with pickling, and I find it super easy. People find it very daunting. Pickling. You don't have to get out. You know. 80 jars and go get a gross lot of this or that uh i do pickling every day like i'll pickle something every not every day but a couple times a week maybe it's one jar maybe it's three jars but and let's it, talk about yeah. the key ingredients you need sure. for pickling. Yeah. yeah
2: so what do you need for pickling uh sh-
1: generally i use a bit of sugar but primarily you need salt and vinegar and then water
2: yeah, yeah. and then you just add your seasonings as you yeah. go so on yeah
3: one other thing about pickling that's really cool is it allows you to can vegetables without needing a pressure canner. Yeah. Because otherwise, any non-acidic food, you need to pressure can. So if you, were, right. to, if you were to can carrots without pickling them, they need to be pressure canned. Mm-hmm. But you put that vinegar in, and it acidifies it, boom. Hot water bath, way quicker, 10 minutes or so, and they're yeah. done. Actually, a lot of times, you don't even have to can them. You can just put them in jars with hot brine. They'll seal themselves. Yeah. So it's a, a lower... Lower entry to um, barrier to entry to canning if you're not up for doing pressure canning because pressure canning can be a little um, intimidating to some people. Absolutely,
1: and expensive. You got to buy the right. Equipment.
3: Yeah, I mean the canner canner is an investment. If you get mm-hmm. a good one, it's going to last you and your children forever. But it's mm-hmm. still four or five hundred dollar investment. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that's watching this on YouTube later, you can see right
1: behind me is my pressure canner, and you need the pressure cooker rather and you know you need that gauge you need the the heavy duty ceiling for uh pressure canning just because if you can't fool around with it because you can create that's where you create botulism really is because you're not using a brine in that case
2: so we're kind of slipping into sure yeah into we're sort of talking about here. two <laughs> things there. i did have one thing about pickling yeah know, let's and, talk about and just it. this was my question and it just occurred to me is fermenting is that fall under pickling
3: no, uh no. Di- it's different um Fermenting is preserving food using bacteria. Right. And that makes it shelf stable.
2: Yeah, which I just realized through my list here I have of great ways of preserving. We yeah. didn't talk about fermenting. So yeah. um, on the list here.
3: if you, instead of doing a dill pickle with vinegar and salt to make a dill pickle fermented, you just use uh, chlorine-free water. Mm-hmm. You can't have chlorine because it kills the bacteria <laughs> or slows right. the bacteria. So you want spring water or filtered water and salt. And you put the pickles in, you put them in a vessel, make sure all the pickles are under the water, and let nature take its course. And it takes a Mm week-ish, but it depends on the temperature. If it's cooler, it Mm -hmm. takes longer. If it's warmer, it goes faster. And those suckers, they will ferment, and the lactobacillus bacteria will sour them. And I don't, when I ferment things, I don't leave them... Out, I like to have them in the fridge, or you want to have them somewhere cool, like in a crawl space or a basement. Root cellar, (laughs) as we were talking about before, (laughs) which we'll get to. Yeah, Um, but uh, so that's that's the traditional way of preserving vegetables for thousands of years is put them in a crock, a stone crock. Generally, was what they'd use in the olden days. You don't want to use metal; you want to use glass or stone, and uh, put them up that way. You can get
2: away with plastic nowadays too it's yeah not same, i just, just rather n- i like yeah. glass yeah, 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 glass yeah. or stone um, <clears throat> no i'm with you on that but yeah. i know i've done it with with and yeah you big, can, when you're doing big batches and plastic buckets yeah, yeah. totally really yeah. clean but i mean
1: i, I think the two it stands or it's worth mentioning maybe i mean i think maybe our definition now i think that if you ferment something i don't know if you'd really call that preservation anymore because you're turning up that product into something else, aren't you? Kind like, of, yeah. In yeah some maybe ways. that's why it's not on our list. Yeah, maybe.
3: You're, you're taking yeah. cabbage, <laughs> cabbage is turning into sauerkraut, but it's yeah. still preserved cabbage. But you could make sauerkraut with white wine vinegar. Right. And it, they, you can buy it in the store on the shelf with all the relishes and everything. And it's called sauerkraut, but it's not... Right. traditionally fermented sauerkraut, sauerkraut because you can't seal sauerkraut in a jar because that would kill all the bacteria. <laughs> yeah. So it defeats uh-huh. the purpose. So they use, right. they use vinegar to mimic the taste, but right. it's not right. the same. That's why I hate sauerkraut on the shelf. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking Homemade actually, sauerkraut what? is way better. Yeah, yeah. it's super good. Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. with kimchi. You buy a kimchi yeah. that's fermented, traditionally made, it's delicious. That's why we make our own at work because yeah. of that because yeah. it gives it, the, gives it an extra different flavor to it. Yeah. And it has the terroir of where you are because it's using the bacteria and the yeast from the air where you're making it. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure.
1: But yeah, to to wrap up canning or wrap up um, pickling, um, I would say not that we're, you know, setting out to do this, but I'd say that that's a fairly easy one as well for people that like, that are just starting to become comfortable with pickling or uh, preserving. I would say that pickling is, is sort of the next tier the next level where it's like you can you can tackle that and do we do we cover canning completely i think we should go
2: back on canning because i think it's a it's a great way of doing pickle taking care of pickling taking care of yeah well not fermented well and
1: then it's another again my big thing it's another way of introducing flavor and creating flavor that doesn't exist before it but I haven't done a lot of canning. I'm, it's not for me to speak on, for, for sure. I've done a ton of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done a ton of it.
3: So for me, canning is a way to... It's a, just a straight-up preservation method. I don't think of it as far as recipes and making flavors. Mm-hmm. I think of it as we got a pile of something, and we <laughs> want to put it up for the winter. Yeah, because right. I come at all this from a, like a preparedness standpoint of I want to make sure I have food for my family, in case of supply chain issues, which we're all aware of right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, also living on islands, which I've always done. Ferries get canceled, this and that. Vancouver Island's not so bad for it, but Haida I definitely. You're, you're, we can, not, you're not getting avocados up there. We, <laughs> yeah, we definitely are, but uh, if the ferry doesn't run for a week, you're then not. suddenly there's no milk on the shelves and certain yeah, right. things dry up. Um, so that's where I come at it from. So you know, when it's apple season, we'll go pick five Or six bags of apples and make applesauce, and it's in the pantry. Yeah, mm-hmm. we eat it, um, but we don't devour it, it's just there. And same with chanterelle mushrooms, we pick mm-hmm. a lot of those and we put those up. That's a pressure canning thing again, because really, it's, yeah, because they're non acidic. Yeah, so you could pickle them, but we just can them pressure canned. Nice, chanterelles are up, dump that into a chili, a stew, whatever you want.
2: That's what we should talk a little bit about between pressure canning and just Mm -hmm. regular canning. Yeah, well, like I mentioned
3: before, it's non-acidic things need to be pressure canned. So Mm -hmm. any meat, any fish, mushrooms, and vegetables all need to be pressure canned. If you're doing fruit or pickled things, they can be just water bath canned, which is a big pot full of boiling water, and you submerge the jar in the boiling water. And the product inside the jar will get up to boil and that vents out any of the air and that's creates the vacuum inside the jar which is what seals it
1: not that not that i um i don't know if i'm going off on a tangent i had a friend that used to do their own um uh, like bolognese sauce and it shelf stable and i so there is the tomato acidic
3: enough yep. or because the meat Oh, it is? It's the okay. tomatoes. The yeah. tomatoes are acidic enough that... Nice.
2: I think you have to watch that one. With, yeah. With t- tomato right. sauce
3: is in. that you...
2: There, tomato sauce, I think, should be pressure canned, if I remember, just because you add extra things, so it brings the acidity level down, down. Yeah. compared to if you just do whole tomatoes, which you can get away without pressure canning because yeah, they had the acidity in them. Well, okay. it's definitely wow. a topic that
1: I'd love to learn more we about. We could that. talk about and canning for I will, for days. yeah, I will be researching this as soon as we stop, I'm Well, sure. and we did a great <laughs> great
2: canning episode with
1: yeah. uh oh, Comox Valley Canning Company. There you go. Got it right. pulled yeah. that one out of your hat. <laughs> There's a Comox Valley Everything Company. Yeah. Uh, um, so what else you got on your little list there for yeah, as well? Yeah, absolutely. I
0: feel bad having to push this along cuz it's it's really, right. really, yeah, really yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah. Um so we're going to
0: I'm going to chuck this one at you sun drying. Mm.
1: Yeah, sun-drying, I don't do much of it. I would assume that you probably, out of all of us, do uh, some sun The only
3: thing I've really sun-dried is herbs. Yeah. Just put them out on a sheet pan on a drying rack out in the sun. Um, I w- would love to do some sun-dried salmon up north, but the problem is we don't always get super sunny weather for a right. long period of time. I know my grandpa, when he used to make his smoked salmon, he would lay it on a sheet of plywood, put the brine on it, Put it at an angle so that the moisture <laughs> would run out of the fish and just leave it out in the sun for a few hours. That's how he'd brine it, and then he'd smoke wow. it. Wow. I, that's that something moisture, I definitely yeah. want to do. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I was going to
2: go back to herbs, actually, because that's what we used to do a lot with the the ice cream shop for our fresh herbs and stuff like that, is we had a really good herb garden in the backyard. Yep. So we would actually take... Um, the screens from the window screens oh you yeah. take those and just spread out all your herbs so if you've got a huge amount of herbs in there and you, yeah. you know herbs are expensive when you go to the grocery store oh yeah um, you just clip all your rosemary throw it on a tray sit it out in the sun where it, the air can circulate around yeah. it dries up really quick and there you go, you go yeah out. yeah you I think
1: I think if we had more consistent sun here or or you know more intense Sun here we but might. It's it might be not. more of you a can, ballad you can thing, throw but. that by the fireplace
2: mm-hmm. in the, yeah you know like that's a great drying yeah. spot it's not just the sun but it's right like that
1: air circulating around it yeah so. for sure but uh, yeah i would say in that the only other thing i would say there is that it, it's generally your delicate things you're not looking to do you know sun-dried like whole onions or something you know what i mean you've got to be reasonable about it what you're actually going to be getting sun-dried which is the sun-dried tomatoes which are mm. more delicate i guess yeah, which are
2: usually dehydrated yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah you could also well, yeah i mean yeah. let's talk about dehydrating because that's sort of the next step right yeah the yeah moisture removing i just bought a dehydrator the other day that I've, I've wanted one for years and i don't know where the the barrier was but i finally bought a dehydrator and i'm quite enjoying it but um for again for me i'm not about preservation i don't i'm starting to feel like i'm living in a bit of a lap of luxury when i'm talking to blaine here because his is more about necessity and mine's more about exploring flavor combinations you know but uh yeah so that's what i started doing is i I, you know tried the dehydrator out a little bit here and there and then now uh just to get a feel for it now i'm like "Hmm, what happens if i spice this orange before i dehydrate it you know the slices or what happens if i sprinkle a little herb on these tomatoes before i dehydrate them like just starting to fool around just seeing what what products i can come up with not when I say products, I mean food, kitchen products. But
3: well,
2: I was yeah. gonna go with dehydrating because it connects back to that freeze drying. Because yeah. it's, it's a long, the same process. The only thing is you're using heat right. to get rid of the moisture. So that's where you're kind of you're caramelizing the whatever you're putting in there. So that's why you get a little bit more of a sweeter. That's why sun dried tomatoes are like right. that sweet flavor to them. Or you dehydrate oranges. You can do them with the skin on because the bitterness of the skin or the the pulpy bit, mm-hmm. not the pulpy bits, yeah. the The the, pith? The pith. Yeah. Thank you. The rind. Yeah. "Mm." Yeah. Anyways, that that goes away a bit with with the dehydrator. Yeah. And if you want to make them even sweeter, you dust them with a little bit of sugar. Yeah. And you get an even sweeter, or yeah, drop them in simple syrup and then throw them on there. Or as I know, Blaine used to make really great jerky. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. We still do.
2: Yeah.
3: You
1: came in eating jerky. Was that? Yeah. It was a piece
3: of liver jerky, actually. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. We started making liver jerky. Because we've had so many deer, we just put all the liver in the freezer, Good and leaves. it's so delicious and so nutritious for us that we're trying to just do different things with it. So, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we thought we better bring liver down with us so we can keep that going in our system, right? For the vitamins and nutrients in that. So, yeah, cool. so we dehydrated some liver, and it's turned out really well. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic
0: all right so i know we could talk about this I've well, got i have one the, more thing go on for, then for people who <laughs> and i just got to get this one out
2: for people who want to learn about dehydrating and get into it if you get a dehydrator get one with a fan yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah absolutely why yeah. is that why is that well because if not you're doing a constant rotating of things like you do you do it on thin trays right and you oh the yeah the trick is having it very thin so it dries quickly um, so without a fan it just sits there so mm-hmm. circulating that air and pushing the moisture away speeds up the process and makes a much nicer product so yeah
0: all right so not a million miles away smoking mm.
1: yeah well I mean it kind of is I, the, by process I think that it's again what John was talking about with the freeze drying and what have you you're still trying to find ways uh, to reduce the amount of moisture you've got in the product in, you know for safe keeping or for long-term keeping but um my th- I find I, I used to be really into smoking and uh, I would smoke I, I got into actually I quite like I smoke white beans and then make a chili out of them and you get this super smoky bean chili that can still be vegetarian which I, I quite liked. um but yeah I kind of overdid it with smoking and I haven't really touched my smoker in like a year <laughs> Um, well, there, and there's so many varieties with smoking because yeah. there's like, <clears throat> you,
2: first of all, what you're using as a product. So are you doing mm-hmm. meat, uh, vegetable, mm-hmm. you know, w- whatever, <clears throat> like how you're going to use that to get your flavor or what you're using to initiate right. your flavor to. And then you can talk about your woods. Cause there's, you mm-hmm. know, I was just thinking like hickory, apple, maple, mm-hmm. um, you can use all Absolutely. Different... and
1: they, and people will say, Oh, what's the difference? There's a huge difference between using say hickory or cherry wood. You can taste it immediately. And like, um, but then also what you do with your brine, right? Oh, exactly. There's tons of different...
2: Whether you brine it, whether you rub it, what do you do with it? Yeah. I got into it when I got the electric smoker Mm -hmm. when I was working at the Atlas there. And that was like, it was just heaven to me. Like just (laughs) smoking there. Like it was so easy. And, you know, like we bring in like six or seven briskets and throw it in there. And it was like... Do you wrap it? Do you unwrap it? Like, how do you infuse that flavor in there? And some of the tricks I got into were just, like, using coarser salts, you know? Like, a lot of places, barbecue places, were like, use seasoning salt. And I realized, like, no, no, you use coarse salt because that actually, that salt crystal picks up more of that smoky Mm -hmm. flavor Mm -hmm. and that's another great thing to smoke Mm -hmm. is just salt right (laughs) those details when you used to
1: i remember that there would be times when you guys were up on a low setting smoking just a bunch of cheeses right yeah yeah yeah. yeah. like smoked cheese is beautiful absolutely yeah um but yeah there's a lot you can do with a home smoker I mean, and it kills bacteria. It yeah.
2: slows down the the process. I mean, we live in smoked salmon country. That's uh-huh. true. I mean, this is this area was built on smoked salmon mm-hmm. as a preserving. You know, I don't think our our local indigenous people would have survived without the salmon, right? And without the ability to smoke it,
0: right? Yep. So yeah,
3: salt, air dried, aired, and smoked. Yep. to yep. put put it up for the winter.
0: And salting. Moving on to another one now. Salting. Sure.
1: Yeah, it's kind of related. Um, sort of. I mean,
2: so salting it, yeah, that's a, just a preserving method, yeah. right? Like, like we're talking salt gravlax, curing. Salt, yeah.
1: salt curing.
2: Yeah. I haven't done a lot of this in my
1: No. I've I made a actually, lot of locks, but Yeah. Those. I used to be married to a Swede and her mom uh, taught me how to make gravlox. And that's really the extent of salt curing that I do, which is, yeah, you literally just pack it full of salt to draw out as much moisture as you can at first and then you rinse it and then you your second salt pack is there just essentially to keep it all in Mm -hmm. what you've got left and make it sort of go throughout but yeah gravlax is fantastic which is cold smoked salmon which is for if people don't know what i'm talking about yeah yeah
2: it's neat actually going through all these processes i'm just thinking about the actual science behind it yeah like with salting the you're getting rid of the moisture so bacteria has nothing to grow in right Uh, you know in canning you're getting rid of the air so the bacteria has
1: nothing to to breathe you
2: know so you're you're basically trying to remove in yeah every which
1: way is a way of trying to remove bacterial interference Mm -hmm. exactly
2: stop them from growing
1: the thing that uh, one (laughs) more
3: thing about salt cream that I do is biltong which is kind of like jerky but you don't use a dehydrator oh yeah so you you take your meat and you cut it into strips and then you dip it in apple cider vinegar. That's your first sort of bacterial removal process. Right. And then I put it on uh, sheet pans with uh, on a cooling rack so the air can move around mm-hmm. it. And I sprinkle coarse salt on it and pepper, which the coarse salt helps the moisture. The pepper helps with keeping flies off of it. Oh, interesting. And then you just set it up in a warm spot, like above your kitchen cabinets for a week. I rotate it after about, two or three days i flip all the pieces on the tray yeah and it dries it out and it's wow it's really good stuff that's amazing that's a south african um technique for preserving bushmeat essentially that's awesome all right so this is gonna be a bit more
0: of a quick fire because we've only got a couple of minutes but uh root cellar
3: yeah
2: well, I thought we could go to jams and jellies first because I think the root cellar is where it all go ends up. At the yeah, end. yeah, true. Okay, <laughs>
1: okay sure. yeah, 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 sure. sure. We will do that. Okay.
2: Let's go to jams and jellies. Salt. Sugar.
3: Sugar, sugar not it's salt. It's just sugar. <laughs>
1: yeah, everything that we've talked about before is primarily salt and acidification and sugar. Like when we're talking about jams and jellies, you're talking about just an overwhelmingly amount, an overwhelming amount of sugar to use.
3: But it doesn't have to be. Yeah. It doesn't. You no, can make right. you can make a not super sweet gem, but the, you got to get that oxygen out of there again. So oh, either yeah. you're you're canning it, or as people used to do is pour wax on the top, mm-hmm. and yeah. then just screw a lid on it, and you're good to go. As long as all that oxygen is, there's no oxygen getting into that jar that. That fruit will last a long time. Mm-hmm.
2: It also have having the the pectin in there and using fruits that have high yeah, pectin yeah. in it, like we've been doing uh, quince lately. Yeah, at work we just got it, and it's really neat to do a jelly out of that because we make the membrosa. Mm-hmm. I hope I said that right. Um, and then we so we skim off the the top of it, and it's instant. It's an instant jelly, like it's yeah. already got that pectin in it. It's super and it's beautiful sweet. Yeah. And we're using it on trees, trays with meat trays. It's just great. So.
1: Yeah. Okay. And then you have the one that Will wanted to know more about the root cellar. So.
2: Will's never had a root cellar.
1: Yeah. I mean, root cellar to me implies essentially uh, just a colder, traditionally lower section of the house because there it's easier to keep colder. Yeah. where you store things and you could literally store all your root vegetables to get extra life out of them months of extra life. Or whereas if like, if you bought a bag of potatoes and leave them in your humid, constantly temperature changing kitchen, your potatoes are only going to last for a few weeks to a month. But if you have a root cellar, you can probably get a good three, four months out of your potatoes because you're temperature controlling. So, and so it's not refrigerating. Because refrigeration sort of seems to add a bit of moisture, or moisture is collected and redistributed. Root cellar is sort of cold, but without moisture.
2: And dark. And dark, In dark. Yeah. yeah. I think that's your key, is like you're keeping the temperature low, mm-hmm. and you're keeping it dark. So it's not, it's not like on your sunny days, the warm summer, it's not that heat. Like right. When you're underground, the temperature doesn't rise that much. Yeah.
1: yeah. So you've got that controlled area, and... And that's why sometimes, like, even if you don't have a root cellar in your house, you can still do the same preservation methods with a, a well-chosen closet or a well-chosen cupboard, you know, that is not going to get light. It's not affected by heat changes, what have you. As
2: a kid, we used to use a crawl space. Yeah. And we had a great little entranceway into our crawl space, and we just had shelves in there. Same, And that's yeah. where all the potatoes would go. That's where all the, yeah. you know, a lot of the canned goods. And it was there kind of that, you know... The pantry all mm-hmm, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff went in there um and we just as it came along and there was little things like you know like going down and and potatoes mm-hmm. when they start to sprout just knocking those sprouts out and
1: they last yeah. a little bit longer mm-hmm. so you
2: can have 50 100 pounds of potatoes down there and they're gonna yeah. last so you just gotta take a little time and, and take care of them
1: but yeah a lot of the preservation methods we already touched on there uh actually you can extend their life a little bit more by just storing them in the root cellar versus storing them in your kitchen or storing them wherever instead of readily accessible just taking that little extra time to uh store them in a proper environment they'll get much longer well life i think
2: that's them. another one that you have to remove for bacteria likes light yeah things grow in light so yeah. if you can remove that from them so mm-hmm. yeah what have we learned from this light <laughs> <laughs> yep light moisture
0: and, and oxygen and oxygen yeah. You remove those. remove
1: those, and you're you're you, you've already started preserving your food. Amazing! Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. We we've actually fired through ten in around thirty minutes, which wow. I think is amazing. because yeah. you could do easily one episode for each type maybe that is an Challenge idea for accepted. us no, yeah. no, no no I'm kidding <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely I genuinely think it would be really really interesting so Blaine so, you so, can yeah. come back it's only $36 yeah. hours. i right? will yeah, come back next uh, week yeah, right. brilliant well thank you so much yeah and Blaine.
2: anyone out there you know help support our Patreon and keep this podcast yeah. going and, and maybe we can help Blaine with a ticket to come down and visit yeah. us again Heck actually yeah. for you know as for,
1: for, as for that uh, to talk about that if anybody has any questions about preservation methods, by all means, you have a chef here at your disposal. Um, Fire us some questions and uh, and we can help out with your, you know, further preservation queries.
2: And if anyone out there has some favorite uh, preserving methods and things that they like to preserve, send it to us. We love to hear Mm -hmm. uh, stuff from you and and find out what you're doing with food, especially in your own edible Valley, right? Mm -hmm. There's lots going on out there.
0: Cheers. Uh, so this has been episode 196, Fantastic.
1: getting towards 200 gradually. We, we be- you better do something special for 200. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> you just put that on just me, kidding. but yeah, <laughs> I'm just putting it on your lap. No, no, um, but yeah, it's been great having you back, Lane. Always so fun when you come back on. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, you're a fountain of knowledge. Love yeah, you Leon. know your stuff. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm I'm pretty impressive. impressive. Yeah, self-taught. <laughs> Lots of mistakes.
3: Uh, and if you guys want to check out my arrow work, I'm on. At Stump Stalker, Stump Stalker, yeah. awesome,
0: okay. perfect stuff. Uh, well, thank you very much, then, folks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode on preservation, and we will see you next week.
2: Cheers! Thank you.
0: And that wraps up another episode of the Edible Valley Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and a special thanks goes to the local businesses that help support our podcast. They make it possible for us to showcase your local food community. We'd love you to follow us on your preferred social media, at Edible Valley, where you can check out our blog, find recipes and tips behind the scenes, and of course, keep a lookout for where we are going to turn up next in your Edible Valley. (laughs) And then, in the intro,
2: I'm going to mention this special guest, (laughs) Ninety six, <laughs> <laughs> and this has been an Animal Valley production. <laughs> yeah, beep, 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 beep. beep, beep. <laughs> okay,
0: ready again?